discussion about nerdy topics for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today is your nerdy tutor, myself, George, and with me, my own personal Miss Marvel, my mom. How are you doing today, Mom? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm excited to be talking about this movie. I had a lot of good fun with it here, but there is a little bit of primer that we need to discuss here real quickly before we go into the movie here. So, obviously, we're talking about this just about five, six days after the movie came out. Obviously, it's uh, Wednesday here, and we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about the movie in depth. You really can't discuss the movie and talk about it without really talking about the things that happen in it. And so, this is a spoiler alert. Yeah. So basically, it's a spoiler alert. If you're not familiar with what a spoiler alert is, we don't want to spoil the details of the movie here for you. So if you haven't watched the movie already. Go ahead and pause the uh, the feed here or the podcast here. Go watch the movie and then come back to us. Obviously, when you have, if but, you but watch our la- or listen to our last pa- podcast first because that'll give you information on who Captain Marvel is. It's a very good primer. I absolutely agree. Um, but again, if you don't mind having spoilers and us talking about a movie that you may have not seen here, thank you for staying with us. Then. Um, but let's go ahead and get into it here. Mom, what'd you think of the movie? Well, first of all, I was really glad that we had last week's tutorial because without that, there's a lot um, that I, I would not necessarily have understood. Um, I think we've talked before um, that some of the movies, whether they're DC or Marvel, stand alone and some don't. This one could stand alone, but it really helps to understand who the agents of Shield are, kind of know the characters. It was it was a lot of fun. Yeah, Marvel movies again. The first ones are usually very good about standing on their own in a lot of cases, um, but they do an awful lot of callbacks to earlier movies. Which, and so if like you're a fan of you know the first Avengers and other Marvel movies here, you get to see Nick Fury in kind of like a more active role in the movie instead of being like this passive narrative and sort of cipher through the movie. So it was awfully fun to see Samuel L. Jackson um, going throughout the motions here and going through the point of the story here, which is actually kind of cool because it looked like he was Samuel L. Jackson from like the 1990s. They de-aged him. Like, I I want somebody to do that for me. (laughs) Um, They they de-aged him and was the other other guy Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. guy. Yes, Phil Coulson was also de-aged, de-aged as well, yeah, because he that, looked like he was barely in his 20s. That or was just, actually, that was incredible. It's interesting what they're doing with that, because again, if you go back to uh, Star Wars here, um, there was a movie that they came out with where they, had Le- where they had Leia after Carrie Fisher died, and they also had uh, General Tarkin in there as well, which is another very old British character who, character actor who has also died as well a long time ago. And to see them in the movie is somewhat unsettling on a certain level because you're just like, whoa. But at the same time, they're there and they're just, it's very cool because it's like, it sounds like Tarkin, it sounds like Leia. And yeah, what you can do with movies nowadays is really cool. Um, I kind of like the way the scrolls all kind of like shape shifted initially. Like it's kind of like this semi sort of like body horror, kind of like they're moving their muscles and having to like reconfigure their entire bodies to. To do it, I thought that was really cool as far as special effects go. I like the CGI um, because you really did watch them morph in and out as they became back to their green selves, um, and I thought that was really, I thought that was really exceptionally well done. The de aging thing was so cool just because you knew who the person was, mm-hmm. and it wasn't somebody who looked like them. It was them. 
So that I, I that added something for me. Alrighty, so, um, so let's go. Just let's just start going through the movie here in and of itself here. So we're not going to do a full recap of the movie here. We're going to leave out quite a bit of smaller details here. But um, so the movie actually was released on International Women's Day. I don't know if that was intentional or not, um, but it probably was considering that a lot of major movies usually don't come out in March here. Um, March, usually a little bit later in March, if only just because you have Spring Break which is coming out, so it's more chances to go watch it here, obviously. Spring Break, you know, is odd because it starts sometimes, in some places it starts in March, in other places it's in April, in other places it's in late May. It's this entire gambit. But it makes sense because if you think about how um, Spring Break works, if you had everybody off on the same week, it would be absolute utter chaos. Well, you wouldn't have enough hotel rooms in, in Miami Beach to to deal it's very so, true so so i actually thought that the the tie-in with international women's day was intentional i assumed it was um and it was kind of a neat thing because she is a bold empowered woman um the setting is in the 80s and it's kind of a time period in which she's not allowed to do combat flight but she's allowed to test fly yeah so, the, so it takes place in about 1994 1995 give or take um, yeah, and my that, those and that's an interesting part of the character here that I found somewhat interesting at the end of the day was that like it wasn't overtly a feminine character at the end of the day. It was very. It, I almost imagine if you made this character a guy at the end of the day, you probably wouldn't have to change a whole lot in it. But um, but the fact that it was a very strong and powerful woman that was obviously bred with this understanding of being a warrior and loss of emotions and things like that here made it a very kind of powerful woman at the end of the day for me because it was like hey a woman can be this as much as can be this kind of a superhero as much as she can be something else as well okay so let's talk about that so so she's um a superhero and she is embodied with all these these powers and and at the beginning of the movie she really doesn't know her background she doesn't understand really where she's from and her hero is also a woman, mm-hmm. um, the character played by Annette Bening. Yes, and and obviously a, a great intellect and and is portrayed as is sort of a pioneering scientist. Yes, um, and I I thought that was really cool too. Mm-hmm. Of course, your attitude towards her changes towards the end, but that's okay. Well, no, no, your attitude changes toward. I, so we'll have to describe that a little bit. So Annette Bening plays uh, two different characters here in the in the movie. Here she plays. Um, Dr. Wendy Lawson, which is also known as Marvell. Right. So this is the Marvel that we talked about last time, although this Marvell is a lady here as well. So it's the story is not the exact same as it was before. But the other character she's playing as well is known as the Supreme Intelligence. And the Supreme Intelligence is a computer construct in the Cree in the Cree world where it's basically their leader or their their leader essentially at the day is the best way to describe it. And the character or the supreme leader differs based on who it is that's interacting with it so in some cases here like when it was uh jude law's character here he made a point of trying to say here that like it appears differently to everybody it's usually the person you most admire in most cases so in this case here um it's not annette benning's fault that she's kind of the bad guy but she's the bad guy for this character and not the marvell character okay so so to back up on that um, each person has their own supreme leader that they go into 
their little world to to meet. They go into like a third dimension. So think of it like a magic eye puzzle. If you stare at it long enough, some people see one thing, other people see another thing. But it's the same picture at the end of the day. And theoretically, it's the same supreme leader at the end of the day, just different visions that come to them based off of what they get. It's So it's the one that you can relate to. Yeah, that's probably a good analogy for it. Okay, so, and, and I kind of got that pretty quickly. Jude Law sort of describes that he wants to understand from her mm-hmm. who and what it is. And, it's, and I thought the movie kind of telegraphed for me um, some of the storyline because Jude Law really wanted her to talk about who it was she saw. As if, and, and he plays it as if he's trying to help her understand where she's from and, and fill in her background. Like he might help with that. But you get this sort of, I kind of knew pretty early on that he wasn't necessarily a, a good guy. I kind of got that impression too. Um, so Jude Law is actually playing a character called Yon Rog. So all Cree people kind of have this weird sort of like singular name that's like two syllables. So mm-hmm. Marvel, Yon Rog. Um, I was actually a little annoyed by the beginning of the movie here because I didn't know anybody's names. And I don't know like that Carol Danvers is being going going by the name of Ver Vers in the very beginning because they don't make a point of saying it at all, which would have been a very easy thing to do at the beginning of the movie here. But at the same time here, I think for a lot of uh fans and probably myself too, if I knew what who Jude Law was actually playing, the actual name of it, and mind you, like I avoid like Wikipedia articles, I avoid looking at a lot of stuff here beforehand. Um, just because I don't want to be tainted or know what's going to happen here. Had I known that who was playing here, would have been like, ah, that's a bad guy. So, like, I was willing to kind of... Uh, well, I got he, I got the vibe that he wasn't all there, or at least wasn't in a... was probably going to be a bad guy, but I was hoping that, like, oh, but isn't Marvel supposed to be a good guy, though? But, uh, I was... Sus- I, I think the best way to talk to... to um, explain it is I was suspicious of him because he seemed manipulative on the flip side it's really essential to your buy-in to the story that you understand that that your perception of him is that he's a good guy and that that he's trying to save the world um, because otherwise you have to kind of um, it's key to the plot as you work through the movie that she that he's theoretically the guy that's you know even if he's not the best guy he's still the good guy and it's not imposed until much later here. So um, so as the movie starts here, it's on itself. We have, obviously, Carol Danvers is remembering something. And obviously, they get this mission to go out and hunt scrolls. Yeah. And so, um, which they go to there, they find them, and then they have a cool little team here. And actually, one of the interesting little points here is that a person on the team here is actually a person from Guardians of the Galaxy. Saw this. So Korath, um, so plays by Des- uh, Desmond Hassan, and I apologize for probably saying this name vastly incorrectly here, so apologies. But he plays Korath, which is a member of Jude Law's sort of star force or sort of little uh, little band of, in- of individuals there. And eventually later on he's with um, Ronan the Accuser, which also makes an appearance in the movie here, oddly enough. And that was one of the fun ones. Uh, I... Kept trying to remember what Desmond, who Desmond was. It was like he looks awfully familiar. Wasn't he in another Marvel movie? And then later on, eventually, it's like, ah, figured it out. 
Yeah, I'm a big I'm a big fan of, of Guardians of the Galaxy. I would love to see Korath make it a future appearance here, obviously, but it'll differ a little bit here depending on the um, civil depending on the mar- on the next you know Guardians movie here, but it'll also kind of play into fact whatever happens in Avengers Endgame, which we are going to go watch and we're going to dis- we'll discuss the Marvel continuity of comic books here. Do we get to go see Shazam? Yes, we're going to go see Shazam as well. That looks awesome. He'll have a little bit less of a hard time trying to do a tutorial on because we kind of already did a little bit of a tutorial on him. So. Yeah, well, and and maybe that's why I'm so curious. But the the trailers look cute. The trailers look very cute, and again, and that was you know that looks really fun. Yeah. So, um, so Carol Danvers here gets captured by the scrolls, and they're doing some sort of upside down mind rating sort of thing here. They find their way to Earth here, and. Um, I love that she, when she lands, she lands in a blockbuster. It is so funny because it, it immediately dates and lets you know um, about the time period. And you see not only does she land in a blockbuster, but, but there's several strategically placed um, VHS tapes. Well, not only VHS tapes, but like one of the cardboard cutouts that she initially shoots at was, I think, True Lies. Mm-hmm. So she shoots at yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we eventually get to the point here where we get the Nick Fu- the introduction of Nick Fury. So this is Nick Fury po- pre eye patch here. So he's got both eyes. He seems a lot more. And we get um, the explanation for the eye patch, which was kind of fun. I, which I I love at the end of the day that it's something somewhat stupid, but I feel that it robs a little bit of the character. But I'm okay with it at the end of the day. I thought it was fun to figure out what it was. So. We get an initial kind of somewhat action scene that kind of shows off the powers of the scrolls here, like their ability to shapeshift and kind of blend in with society. And uh, the fact that Samuel Jackson takes one of them out by literally having a car accident is somewhat funny to me, if only just because it's like low tech, uh... low tech way of killing what is essentially like a very high tech, you know, bad guy here at the end of the day. I, I actually really liked that. I liked the I liked the irony of, of a low-tech um, solution to a, a high-tech problem. Yes. Um, from there, we basically jump into what I'm pretty sure is Act 2 at this point here, where um, it basically becomes somewhat of a buddy team between Carol Danvers and Nick Fury trying to figure out, you know, basically the images that Carol has seen in her head here. She's remembering. She remembers them now, or at least has the impressions in her head and so her and Nick Fury are basically going through a buddy cop sort of thing here to try to find out who this is and what this is but but there's but you're you're forgetting something that that um, he is confronted with one of the aliens pretty early on yes and so he's in again I mean like it's, he gets to see a green guy yeah which I'm pretty sure like basically changes Nick Fury's entire impression of the known world and galaxy where like because again when you're initially hearing when they're initially interacting Carol Danvers is just getting off the payphone and some sort of communication which is very funny how she's able to manipulate the technology and and, and figure everything. out and figure out what and 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 she she actually asked the security guard um if if her translator her language translator is working yes because he's he's just kind of Staring at her. Yeah, well, as somebody would just coming out of a blockbuster in the middle of night in a... Well, she's shot through the roof. She drops in through the roof. She's wearing a bright green and black, you know, and silver kind of costume here as well. it's teal. Okay, teal. All right. I think I need to live with teal. Um, She looks stylish. She's got great boots. 
I, those are very good boots, I'm guessing. I'm yeah, great not, boots. Not a fan of boots, but those oh. are... <laughs> yeah, no, great boots. Um, so, yeah, so you get that, and then... Um, and then you get kind of the cool bit here, um, and I forgot to write down her name, uh, but you get her best friend here, who basically keys her into her old life, and really kind of sells this intention that, like, hey, you were, you really are a human, you're not an alien, so the memories you have in your head are not fake, they are your actual memories. Well, and you see earlier flashbacks of her dancing in a bar with, mm-hmm. with her best friend, who's who's black who interestingly enough reminded me of aquafina from um from crazy rich asians um just the the character itself uh so Gemma chen's actually in this movie here as well so she's one of the part of jude law's star force here she has a great line at the very end of the years like that like you know that she was never friends with with carol danvers at the end of the day which was kind of funny yeah she it, just it never actually liked is her. yeah i never liked her um, but I, you know, a couple of things actually perplexed me about, um, the friend character. Okay. And one of them was that, that, um, she had been there the day of the crash and, and this is the crash, um, that enables Jude Law to, um, to rescue theirs, Carol Danvers. Um, and she does that, um, what, what ends up happening is that the supreme being for for Vares, for for Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. um, ends up being the scientist, and um, she talks her into taking this flight with her, in which they're going to engage this amazing um, battery force. What, what would you call? So, so in the inter- interceding sort of thing here that happens is that. Um, uh, Dr. Lawson Marvell mm-hmm. basically has to go up in this experimental machine, experimental, you know, plane at the end of the day. I'm assuming she's trying to get back up to her laboratory, which is in space here. Um, and she gets found eventually, what looks like by the scrolls here trying to attack them. Um, and obviously Carol Danvers is in the flight thing here as well. And then, um, and she's kind of tripped out by the idea that she's gonna. She's being told there's there's a spacecraft. Um, there's a scree spa- spacecraft trailing mm-hmm. them yeah. and shooting at them, um, and she gets told just keep going, just keep going. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be okay, and she and she does, and um, and then of course the the cra- spacecraft gets hit or gets. So or, we, so or the space, fails. So the spacecraft that's actually chasing them, we initially think is is scroll because by this point in the movie, we think we know the scrolls to be the bad guys, guys. and we're only yeah. we've only just started getting hints that the scrolls are not actually the bad guys at all. They're just looking int- for a planet. Yeah, they're basically, you know, they've been shooved off their own planet by the Kree, and as much as they're just trying to hide out and find their own planet to live on because they're tired of getting basically hunted and killed they're kind of our version of the native americans as much oh that's actually a good definition that's a that's a yeah okay. i mean i mean it, it's they want to find their own place to hang yeah pretty much um and it's not until we until and so eventually that ship eventually attacks carol danvers and marvell's ship here and it crashes 
and we eventually actually learned that the ship is not actually a scroll ship. That ship is actually a, a part of a, a Kree, Kree ship, ship, which has got Jude Law on it. So here's one of the major divergences in the in the plot here of how Captain Marvel gets her powers, which is again always kind of the important part of any superhero movie. Is that um, in a similar way, the original Captain Miss Marvel here gained her powers by basically getting nuked on a certain level by a special bomb, but because she's protected by Marvel, that's how she absorbs her powers. In this case here, Jude Law actually takes out Marvel pretty quickly with just a simple, sh with a simple blast of a gun, or a laser gun. A laser gun, uh huh. And then um, on Earth. On Earth, and then yeah. she destroys this core to the ship here that they were initially piloting in, and the I guess the shockwave, whatever it was, apparently goes into Carol Danvers and just gets absorbed. Now I kind of understood that Dr. Larson wanted. Uh, Carol Danvers to have those powers. I don't know if it was intended that that was actually supposed to happen. Because again, okay. I, I, no Captain Marvel is basically like you have to destroy the core because this is what's going to help the Kree on some certain level here to do something else here. Like basically, it's technology that Marvel doesn't want you know Jude Law's character to have here. Yeah. And so the intention was that destroy the technology while you know while it's still here with us, and that's what um, Carol Danvers does. But in the process of basically destroying it, it's how she somehow absorbs the powers, whether it's it's not well explained how it works at the end of the day, so much as that you see it happening, it's like, oh, okay, that's how she gets her powers. Yeah, it's kind of a weird it's kind of a weird moment because um it's a little disjointed. She picks up she's been told by her hero mm -hmm. um that, that has to be destroyed in order for the war to end all wars. And um, that she just wants to end the war. And so she's told she has to, um, the instruction from Dr. Larson to Carol Danvers is you, ha you have to destroy it. So she picks up a weapon. She has no idea what it can do. And she fires it. Yes. I thought that was pretty ballsy. Well, I, the character itself is pretty ballsy in a lot of ways. So. Oh, that's true. I, I think it matches the character at the end of the day doing what needs to be done. I mean, like. She's basically been training her whole life to do combat missions and be a soldier on a certain level. And so the fact that her hero is telling you, you have to do X, Y, and Z, and she's already been shot down already. She, I think she basically is of the notion or intention that, like, hey, I'm not making it out of this, so I'll do whatever my hero tells me to do here because this is... She really does think she's going to die. She mm. understands that a spaceship has been following her and that the people on the spaceship are probably going to kill her, I think is what she's assuming. She, you know, there's obviously yeah. a... A sense that that she's going to die and instead they sort of rescue her and convert her yeah so they basically jude law basically decides you know what she's got something interesting in here now let's go ahead and just take her for our own and they go back to the hala which is the kree home world and basically kind of semi wipe her memories and give her a blood transfusion which why her blood is blue that was an interesting explanation um and thus, as a result here, that's how you get Varus at the end of the day. Now, mind you, in the intern, intercediary sort of stuff happening here, like this basically is ending Act 2 here, where we get to the point where we realize now that the scrolls are not bad guys at the end of the day. They're okay. basically okay. refugees. Okay, so let's let's talk about a couple of things. One of the things that I don't know that we've made clear in this is that we're hopping back and forth in time. 
Yes. And yep. you do have to kind of pay attention to which time frame you're in. Yes. The movie jumps around quite a bit. It actually, in a lot of cases, starts in what they call uh, immediate res, which basically means that you, you don't really start at the beginning. You start in the middle, which is kind of more yeah. enter- entertaining and interesting in a lot of cases. And, and you it get goes a lo- back and fills in. And, you f- and, yeah, and basically, as Carol Danvers learns about her past, that she's actually not theirs, her name is actually Carol Danvers, that we're actually, as the audience, learning about her backstory and her character here as well. That we're learning all the, you know, intermediary sort of stuff that happened in between all this other stuff. Oh, okay. So so let's talk about her flashback and her meeting up with her, her gal pal mm-hmm. from her old life. So, uh, and, and the daughter. And I thought the, I thought the warmest connection, the only, the movie isn't very cuddly. Um, no, it no, isn't very it warm. Is um, and and I was a little sad that that uh, on the whole, Captain Marvel's kind of a flat character. I got a lot more sense of who her gal pal was. So, so that one is her name is Maria. Yeah, Maria who Maria Rambu. was, and and um, and I a couple of things. First of all, I couldn't understand why Maria wasn't really pissed off. She'd been been feeling this pain for for a number of years, five or six years. Five or six years, yeah. Um, and and always suspected that her friend really was alive because they never found her body. Mm-hmm. And um, but was aware of this horrific crash and and hadn't liked that the whole test uh, flight had taken place in the first place. That always thought it was dangerous. But she never expresses the anger that most of us, I think, would have naturally had over losing our friend and then and then you'd be relieved but you'd also be angry that you'd felt this pain for and and all this unknowing and uncertainty for all these years and and none of that ever gets expressed the the emotions in those scenes seem don't seem um appropriate to me i can see that yeah i had a bit of a problem where like I would have loved it. Um, there's a great scene where the two of them are sitting down and really this is where you get the expression where Maria's very upset about, you know, the fact that her friend's been alive the entire time and, you know, the fact that her friend is now just, a, her best friend is just reappeared in front of her. And I would have loved to seen, you know, like Carol Stambers here as she kind of realizes that she's human and regains, like, as, as could quote unquote regain her her humanity suddenly started getting maybe slightly more emotional about it. Um, and I think that would have been a slight interesting touch here because as a Cree, she's told, got to keep your emotions in check, got to keep your wits about you. There's actually you know. a lot of a lot of finding failing in her for not doing that. Yes. Um, Jude Law, in the very opening scenes, you get that from Jude Law, that, that you've got to keep that under control. You've got to mm-hmm. keep your emotions under control. That's how you control your power. And um, and she even hears that echoing even in the final scenes he brings that up again. Yes. Um, in the in the sort of the final battle, um, so you're you're absolutely right. There just it seemed like like to me, the most touching moments were with her and Maria's daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, and and they kind of connected in part because Maria's daughter kept a scrapbook and kept all these mementos, including her jacket, her leather her leather flight jacket. Yep. Um, and I thought that was um, really cool. And I love the scene where the daughter gets to sort of recolor her um, 
her out her, her uniform. uniform. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Oh yeah, because they're playing with different colors, and finally she decides to color it the way the the you know red, white, and blue that or red, golden, blue mm-hmm. um, that is on the on the daughter's um, t-shirt. t-shirt. Yep. And I, I thought that was really touching, but from Carol Danvers' perspective, when she discovers that she's been robbed of this life that had emotion, that had richness, that had um, importance to her because she's been because yeah. as fair she's been trying to figure out who she was for a long time and now that she's actually gotten answers here like yeah i would have loved to have seen a little bit more emotional um output on here um if only just to again kind of more is like no i really am a human you know like this is well, really who i am yeah and where's where's the anger that i had these friendships and i was robbed of them for these years mm-hmm. and um and you never get any sense that she had um, any sort of family other than um, this this friendship, yep. which I thought was... Outside of Maria. Yeah. But on the flip side, I love the interaction um, between her and Fury. That was very Yeah, cool. so, yeah, so Carol Danvers and Nick Fury's relationship is very much kind of a... It, it very much it's a buddy. It's, yeah. Very much a buddy cop sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, yeah, I agree. I this, I think that kind of goes back to my original point about Carol Danvers being a little bit more feminine in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, where, again, the character doesn't have to be like, oh, look, a skirt. Or yeah. look, a flouncy top. But the fact that she could have had a bit more of an emotional, somewhat outburst over the anger and, you know, the sadness of what she could have had and lost for several years and basically remembering her friend, you know, and stuff. I would have loved to have seen something like that, which would, I think, maybe humanize the character a little bit more. And made it somewhat stand out, maybe a bit. Um, but I'm hopeful that later movies are going to kind of change that around a bit. Maybe get to know her better. Because I didn't feel by the end of the movie that I knew her very well. No, I, I agree too. Like, I I had a good understanding of who the character was, but I just it felt like I was only getting a very, very surface level detail of what the character was. And I wish I had gotten more nuance to the character, I think, maybe. Well, and I think I think where it really tripped me up was um, major spoiler here. Okay, so she figures out that this that that the Cree are bad, mm-hmm. and and it means that that the person who's been mentoring her, the Jude Law character, all of a sudden becomes the bad guy, and she's able to make that switch, like an on and off switch, to make that that change in, um, in who her where her loyalties are so quickly and so easily and i i can't understand that i think on one end you could say well okay um while she was with them she sort of had stockholm syndrome and did she sort of come around because she suddenly realizes what she was robbed of but we never saw her anger or any of her emotion regarding being robbed of that and all she has is is yeah the new good guys word for for what you know they explain we're not fighting a war we're just trying to find a planet that we can be on because we keep being chased off of them um but she takes him at his word there's no reason for her to there's he doesn't offer up any real proof no yeah i i kept kept kind of thinking kind of midway through especially knowing the marvel continuity how scrolls are usually depicted as the bad guys here that you know like no, this character's lying, and maybe there's going to be another trick here or something. Or Because, um, again, if you go back to the original Captain Marvel, which would have been Marvel back in the comics here, 
Um, he's outcast by the Kree, which is why he ends up having to stay on Earth. And I thought what would have been very interesting here would have been that Jude Law's character still is somewhat of a good guy here, but still very much a Kree at the end of the day, trying to fight the scrolls. You know, basically, like, they would have basically fought it out at the end of the day. Jude Law would have stayed around for a lot longer, but at the end here, like, Jude Law's basically like, look, you can't you can't go back. They, they know what you did with working with the scrolls here, and I realize you did it because you thought you were doing the right thing here, but you know no. that actually would have been a that actually would have been a cool ending. I'll let you I'll let you hang someplace else, but you can't go back with yeah, us. Yeah, you can't go back. We have you know you've you've done too much damage to this stuff here, and I understand that you thought you what you were doing was right. You still kind of you know took somebody else's word over ours. We can't. She can't. yeah yeah, and I guess because she um, well I mean a couple I mean she's she's badass and and <laughs> and. Is really cool. I mean, I enjoyed Wonder Woman for the same reason. She, you know, she's badass, and and all this one because it lacked any sort of romantic thing. I think that helps develop a character, and and there certainly is none of that here. Um, I don't think you need the romance to get through the character. I think what you needed is you needed, I think, some sort of emotional connection because at the end right. of the day, you don't really have a huge emotional investment in Carol Danvers. I think a lot more you have a more emotional investment in Nick Fury, but I think that's only if if because you've watched the other Marvel movies and because you have a, a relationship you have a relationship with him ex- and existing you... already. Yeah, I mean I think I think so she is badass and and she's badass and she um portrays a tremendous amount of loyalty. When you think about she's getting in this this test spacecraft mm-hmm. Um, aircraft uh, with with Dr. Larson, and and she doesn't. All of a sudden, she sees this alien thing behind her shooting at her, and and she's being told push the throttle and go for it and all these things. She is absolutely loyal to Dr. Larson, and she doesn't understand the setting that she's in when they get shot down, and Dr. Larson tells her you have to, you know you have that to, you yeah. have to basically trust me here. Yeah, trust me. That needs to be to be terminated, mm-hmm. um, and she picks up this weapon. She doesn't know that she doesn't know what it's going to do or how to operate or anything, and she shoots it. She's a tremendously loyal person. I had kind of a disconnect with how easy it was for her to switch sides, for, to you know, from the Cree to the the, the scrolls. Um, that that didn't seem to cause a lot of inner turmoil for her, and. There wasn't an explanation as to why. And given that she's such a fiercely loyal person, and you get that sense with her friendship, with with what she does, her attitude towards um, what she did when she was here on Earth in the 80s. There's I, a I disconnect. Did, there's a disconnect there. I, I just couldn't understand how easy that switch was. Yeah, I can absolutely agree with that again. I, I'm hopeful that... And most likely, I think the next uh, Captain Marvel movie here will probably be her trying to take out Hala and the Kree on a certain level here. Um, the Hala being the world that they the live The home on. world of the Kree, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that's going to be a movie on, a, on in and of itself here and probably the next standalone Captain Marvel movie, um, which will be a bit of, you know, which will be a bit of a unfortunate sort of movie because I'd love because he would love to see her more on earth and interacting with more earth related stuff instead of more cosmic related stuff and things like that but at the same time well they tease that at the end sort of yeah that we'll talk about the, we'll talk about the mid-credit uh spoiler here 
um, which I am not a fan of. You're not a fan of the mid. Oh, see now everybody hangs in the theater for that. No, everyone does. I, I'm not. I'm not upset with the with the idea of it here. I think it's a cool little extra bit here. Um, I'm disappointed with the way it was handled in this movie. Oh, okay. And I don't. I don't like. I don't like the implications it leaves. Um, but so much as that. Um, so we'll move on with the plot here. So basically, when they get up, so basically the scroll leader here, which is again, which is named. Uh, where did I put it? His name Talos, um, who's played by Ben Mendelsohn, mm-hmm. which is very cool, actually. You don't see a lot of Ben Mendelsohn at all, but when you see him, you're like, I like the, I know that guy. I like him a lot and stuff. So he was, he was very good in the role. Yes, he was fun with, with a lot of that makeup on too. That he looked like he well, was having a blast. He actually, in it. yeah, exactly. He actually had a sense of humor and and was warm, and you felt like you knew him better than her. Yeah. So, so Talos here, basically, with Nick Fury, Maria, and Carol Danvers here, basically head up to space here, and they eventually get to, you know, Marvel's laboratory and find a bunch of other scrolls there, which is kind of interesting, along with a lot of very, you know, 60s, 70s, 50s ephemera there, you know. Okay, there. so just, and here's my question. So, that's Marvel's laboratory, Dr. Larson's laboratory. Yes. And she placed the scrolls there? My assumption here is that, like, at one point here, Marvell learned that, you know... She or, was on the wrong side. That she was on the wrong side. Or maybe she, when she was in the process, maybe she was part of the reason that it started, even. And it's not well known, necessarily. Maybe she's part of the reason why this happened, and she feels regret over what happened okay. here. And so this is her way So there's of, a whole little colony on her on Yeah, her there's, a, there's a small pact of, like, maybe 20, 30-some-odd scrolls that are on there yeah. that have been hiding and on the ship here for a long time. And their families with kids and... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so we get to that point here, and um, but obviously Jude Law, you know, realizes that they're there. Has a great line of like, "What did you do to your to your uniform?" You know, like oh that, yes, that he's the, so offended. He's very the, offended by, by the, the, the the red, the red and uh, the red, and blue, blue. And gold. Yeah, yeah. I found that very interesting. Um, and so this is where you get kind of a turning moment in Captain in Carol Danvers's character here, which. Um, She's captured by the Kree. The rest of the scrolls are basically about to get wiped out here, along with Nick Fury and Maria. Um, but and then she's taken to, I guess, some sort of like, I guess, their Kree ship, which has the Supreme Leader on it, and she's just wrapped up in the Supreme Leader sort of. Well, tentacles. and they have, and they have the box with the. Ah, so the Tesseract. Yes, yes. So that was something that I wasn't expecting at all. That to see. What exactly is the Tesseract? It's some sort of superpower? So the Tesseract is a infinity stone. So Okay, I, so, I understand about the the, the seven infinity stones. There's six. Six. Okay. Yeah, so the six infinity stones, it's one of the first ones that we ever get in, initially introduced to. It's one that we're initially introduced to in the first Captain America movie, um, uh-huh. the first Avenger here, where the Red Skull is using it to power up super weapons. It's seen again in Avenger, the first Avengers here, where they realize that it's a space kind of hole thingy, um, and then it gets taken to um, uh, Thor's world here, um, Asgard. Okay. It's taken to Asgard, and then it's basically held in in lock and keep. Like they're not really supposed to have an Infinity Stone at all. They're very rare if you ever find them at all. Um, they usually take kind of different forms here. So like. One of them was in Loki's staff. Another one's kind of like a gooish sort of thing. Another one's just a simple stone. 
Um, another one is the little necklace for uh, Doctor Strange. Well, they all end up on the one guy's glove. They all end up on Thanos' glove, yes. Yeah. So that, there's a, there's another really cool story about that, which we'll have to discuss another time. Okay. Um, but the fact that the Tesseract was there was kind of interesting because I wasn't really expecting it. Um, and what would be kind of interesting is that if the... And this is something I literally just remembered here now. Like, if the core of the spaceship was initially powered by whatever power was coming from the Tesseract here, uh-huh. and it, uh, causing it to explode is what gains Carol Dimer's powers, that would be kind of an interesting little side sort of thing Well, here. I assumed it did have something to do with the Tesseract um, when she got her powers. So I didn't think about that initially, but it would be kind of interesting, and that would be kind of a... An interesting way to use her as a MacGuffin in the new Avengers, new Avengers movie as a sort of like, you know, oh, hey, her powers are partly based on the Infinity Stones. Maybe she's got some sort of immunity to it, or maybe there's something special. She can touch it because people... Or maybe yeah. she can control it for whatever period of time here, maybe. Okay. Um, so that being said here, she's... The Supreme Leader basically, you know, taunts her and is like, hey, you can't control your powers. Your powers, you know, we give you your powers. And we can take them away. And we can take them away. And then... Which is a line from very early in the movie. Yes. Yes. A very very early callback. Um, and then Carol Danvers basically decide, figures out, like, wait a second, you've actually maybe been holding me back the entire time. Maybe the best part of me is the human part, and that's going to make me even stronger here. So maybe it's not that I can't control my powers. Maybe it's that you've been limiting my powers. And whether that's the case or not here, she basically breaks the programming of the supreme leader and unlocks the unlocks her full access to her powers now and so if you remember last time we talked about binary uh-huh this is probably about as close as we're going to get to that binary state with like the glowing red eyes and kind of the aura around her you know and oh, she is so badass. She's stopping spaceships. She's stopping spaceships. She's, she's missiles. Wa- she's blasting missiles. She's walking through she's walls. She's literally catching missiles and throwing them back at other missiles. So the way we get to the missiles is that earlier in the movie here, Jude Law reaches, gets contacted by Ronan the Accuser, who basically is like, do you want me to judge, you know, Ronan here, do you want me to judge Earth? And basically, later on, Jude Law basically knows this is like Ronan. Well, it's not Earth, it's C-53. C-53, that's true. Um, So nice to know that we live on C-53. We've also, I've heard heard Earth called a number of different things here, called it Terra Prime and other things as well, so. Okay. um, We could probably do an entire podcast on what other races call Earth. Could Uh, be a fun subject. Okay. So, um, basically, and then Ronan the Accuser comes in because Jude Law basically says, hey, it's time for you to judge Earth. And so he basically comes with a whole bombardment collection of ships to basically wipe out Earth. And Carol Danvers basically catches all the missiles, destroys all of them, and destroys one of their ships, and then basically just gives this quick stare down and Ronan's like, nope, not interested, bye. Yeah, he, <laughs> actually, it's a, it's a cute look, look too. It's it's almost campy, the way it's done. Like, no, I've, I've had enough, okay. No, 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 I'm not, I don't want a piece of this. I, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm leaving now. I'm good. Um, and then you get um, you get Carol Danvers and Jude Law have this final interaction with one another. Jude Law basically puts away, you know, escaped the ship and crash landed back on Earth, and in the desert it would seem. Mm-hmm. And Jude Law is basically like, you know what? You've never been able to beat me, so let's do it here. Puts his gun away, puts his knife away. It's like, come on, you and me, one on one. Let's do it. You know, let's figure out who's the best here. 
you know, never been able to beat me, but once you beat me, you'll be, you know, you'll be complete, you know, like it's been real pride and basically trying to talk up this notion here. And Carol Danvers just, you know, basically just puts her fist to him and just shoots him with some sort of blast and knocks him into a rock. Actually, and and, and this is actually one of the things I, I found um, a little empowering as a woman because it wasn't as though he wasn't um, hampered in any way. Mm-hmm. And it was a straight woman versus man fight like a cat fight with a cat and a dog i don't know how to explain that but but um a straight on fight where there wasn't anything done to supposedly level the playing field because a man is always presumed better they were treated very much as equals um and and he he being a man of course assumed that he was superior and, and, and he's painted as being superior throughout most of the movie. Throughout all of the movie, he's he's her mentor, and that's that's why I, I have difficulties with how how quickly she turned on him because this is the this is the man who's been her mentor for five or six years, and mm-hmm. and I just there would be some sort of implied loyalty or maybe some implied hesitation about wanting to do this here. Well, and especially since you get the sense from her that she is very much. Uh, um, A very loyal person. Person, yeah, and and so it seemed at odds with that. But um, but I liked the battle in in large part because um, they really did deal with them as equals. There was nothing he didn't um, lessen his own powers to do. You know he didn't he didn't tie he didn't fight with a hand tied behind his back. It was equal. Yes. Um, so and even at the very end here, like you can still see her loyalty to him on a certain level, where. Rather than basically outright killing her, this person who's lied to her your entire the last six years and basically stolen her humanity and reprogrammed it into something else, he basically lets him live and basically sends Jude Law back to Hala to the Kree Empire to basically give him warnings like, "I'm coming for you. I'm coming for everybody." Yeah. And he's very much in the notion like, "No, just just kill me. I, I can't stand the humiliation." I'm, I won't be able to stand, live with it. And she's basically like, nah, not going to listen to you anymore. Yeah. Um, so at this point here, obviously the movie's at, wrapping up here. Carol Danvers and the rest of the scrolls here leave. Where they're going, it's not well known. Uh, but she's going to help the, she, she says she's going to help them locate a planet. Yeah, she's going to help them locate a planet and then she's going to go back and, just, and basically wreck the Cree here at the end of the day. But she gives Fury a, a, a beeper. A, a beeper. Well, she a powered-up beeper. A powered-up beeper. A, sat, a super satellite beeper. A I, very satellite beeper. I, you know, and, and I loved the idea that it was a beeper because I, I'm old enough to remember beepers. I, 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 once, I once was tethered to one. I remember the beepers. Yeah. Um, so I thought, I thought that was really cool. I kind of wondered... How much of the audience got that? The blockbuster, I mean, as kids, you remember driving by a blockbuster. Yeah, blockbuster just right down the road. We used to rent videos from there all the time. time. Yeah, okay. So you would remember blockbuster. But I wondered, I, I seriously wondered how many people would have gotten the, the beeper reference. That's true. I can certainly see I can certainly see that disconnect. Cause, because, you, you know, um, if you're in your 30s, maybe, but but if you're in your if if, if you're, you're a millennial, in, if you're in your 20s, if you're John, 
if, yeah, if you're John, who's 24, um, and has probably would he, would, he, would he know what it was if nobody had explained it to him prior to this? Yeah, and there um, probably wouldn't have been a reason to explain it to him because cell phones were already in wide use. Yes, yeah, because he was born in '94. So, um, so I, I did have I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a cool callback, and the fact that like. You see Carol Danvers throughout the movie, like basically playing with technology and like she knows, supercharging she knows it to what get a, it. What a what a um, a payphone is, which I found, and, and she's and she's calling Jude Law in space from the payphone. And the payphone eventually, at one point here, is like you've run out of time. You need to put in more money. And Brees in Carol Danvers is basically like, uh, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah, but but she knew how to use it, and she was able to use it to, to call another planet, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was pretty cool. But some um, heavy modifications, clearly though. Yeah, well, you know, it was a standard payphone. She's got superpowers. Yes. So. Uh, so the one thing we've we've basically not talked about for most of the movie here is the cat goose. Oh, oh, I love the cat. <laughs> I, oh, I love the cat. So, uh, no, the cat is so cool. Um, the, yeah. So, so and and obviously Fury loves the cat. Fury loves the cat initially, and the cat basically also loves Carol Danvers here at the end of the day. Whether the initial implied thing here is that like well, the cat helps her flashback and stuff. Yes. And she knows, and she knows the cat's name. Yes. Well, it's also on its tag, but. Oh, okay. Okay, I missed that. Okay, <laughs> but um. But no, yeah, so, no. so you the, have this see, like, lovely, move. lovely, fluffy, big sort of fat cat. Kind of fat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not you know, he's a mini mm. slim fast, and um, and the scene in which you're you finally figure out what the the cat is. No, but then, but mind you, though, before you get to that scene here, like they they, they refer to it as a fleek, a frickle, or something like a that. Fl- I think it's a fleek. A fleek, yeah. No, you see the scrolls initially, and the scrolls like. Don't like the cat. I don't like the cat. Keep keep the cat away from me. And everyone else, and again, the rest of the humans here are just like, wait a second, super powerful race and you're afraid of a cat? cat? And even when the Kree get there, they get to the creature here and they're like, fricko, like high threat value. And they're like, all right, quickly put a mask on the cat. And like, let's get this, let's get, let's they get do, this They do, they want to put a Hannibal Lecter type mask on the cat. Well, they did put a Hannibal, Hannibal Lecter. They put a, they also had a very, very fancy cat cage as well, which if you, you notice there as well, yeah. a very sci-fi fancy cat cage. Could not understand that. It's, and, a, it's a cute little cat. Again, it's a cute not little, little cat. Not little, but it, it's a cute cat. It's a cute cat and, until you realize what it really is. And I'll let you explain what it, what, what <laughs> okay. happens here. So, so they're up fighting. Mm-hmm. Um, on the the Kree spaceship, mm-hmm. and they have the, the the cat is there, and um, the cat has like out of its mouth erupt very quickly, like octopus tentacles, and it eats people. It just like a, it pulls takes the tentacles, pulls them in, and just all, and, all and, off screen. But while Maria and Nick Fury are right there watching it, and they're just both just horrified at what just happened and there's just both of them got this aghast look on their face it was just and then fury goes and picks up the cat it's like good cat yeah. good cat he totally gets the cat is his friend um because when the when, when they're in the spaceship the cat is his friend when they're in the car yeah. the cat is his friend yeah, so no, he, he's totally digging the cat he's totally oh i would dig that cat too wouldn't you want to carry around a cat that could attack your enemies like completely by surprise those tentacles come that's just such a, great cgi just come out and you're just like 
I was not expecting that yeah. to come out of that creature. Not whatsoever. Well, and the, and the cat eventually consumes the, the tesseract. Yes, but I'm assuming it eventually spits it up too. Or or at worst, it's a great hiding spot. Uh, for, yeah, for nobody's going to suspect it's in there. And the cat never gets bigger. The no. cat just, just eats these people side. whole and, and stays the same side. They just, it's really cool. He doesn't even chew. No. No, it just swallows it whole like a duck. Because, I mean, I've seen octopus underwater eating, and they do. Well, they got beaks. Yeah, they do, too. Mm-hmm. And, and, and not, not, not this fleek. <laughs> oh, he was so cool. I loved that. So at the end of the movie here, we get the eponymous sort of um, Goose is now hanging out in Nick Fury's office. Nick Fury's guess is going to be on a desk job now that he's lost an eye. And this is where he gets the initial... Do you want to explain the loss of the eye? So the loss of the eye here is interesting because um, at the very end of the movie here, like he's holding up Goose, the cat here, to him. And the cat basically scratches out his eye. Yeah, it scratches him on the face. But then later on when Agent Coulson is there with Nick Fury, basically he's like... So you got shot by a Cree, and you took a blast to the to your left eye, and you know that's how that's why you don't have an eye anymore. And it's like, and Nick Fury is basically is like, I can either you know I cannot you know, basically I can't you can't, I can't I can't confirm do, or I, deny, deny, deny that yeah yeah and so basically is like, cannot confirm like, or deny. Cool. So it seems silly. It seems it seems. It seems kind of a silly way for that character to have that somewhat important thing. Cause and it isn't explained why Goose does that either. Because Goose, up to that point, is really has been has been like his best friend. friend it's been yeah. like, you know, like they're on the same terms and everything. Yeah. They're totally cool. And he doesn't eat him. No. And then why he does it at the end of the day is. And it's with very his claws. Kind of, he just scratches him. Yeah. Much like a cat might actually. You're pretty deep scratches. Come on. Well, yeah. Yeah, so, um, so yeah, like, I'm not 100% certain on that. I would love to eventually kind of figure out that, like, his eyes playing some sort of additional role later down, down the way. It is kind of cool, the scene, though, in which they bring in the box of eyes for him to choose from. Yeah. And That's it's kind of, you know. Pretty creepy. There's, like, there must be, like, 30 eyes in that box or so. Of different eye colors and different, styles. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you could pick your eye. And then, so the, one of the very ending scenes here is, obviously, Carol De- is, you know, Nick Fury writing up the Avengers proposal. He initially calls it the Protectors, and then, obviously, looking at the photo here, Carol Danvers, you know, call sign here was Captain Carol Avenger Danvers. And so that's where he gets the name for the Avengers from. Well, I mean, should we explain where, where the name Veers, the, the Kree name that, that um, Captain Marvel ends up with? Yeah. So, so... so um, when she figures out that she was a pilot in the past on Earth, mm-hmm. and she finds her friend, her friend has half of her dog tag, half of her military dog tag, and it's the cat, the the half that says Carol D. Yeah. And and Veers apparently comes from Jude Law has the other half. And that's the only part on there, and it's like, oh, this must be her name, Veers. Veers, yeah. Not realizing just, that the dog tags like this. Partly damaged or destroyed here, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so she gets her Cree name from the V E R S that's on um, the remainder of her dog tag that Jude Law picked up when he. Which I think is an interesting way to kind of explain it because I don't remember that 
being a part of the comics necessarily. I thought that was kind of um, cool. But I think that's an interesting way to, to get around yeah. the notion that, like, oh, well, she's a Cree. What is her name? Carol Danvers. No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's not, we don't do that. And we don't do that in Cree. It's like a, it's a single name, like, Fears. Yeah, there we go. That'll, that's close enough. So. Yeah, I thought, I, I, thought, was, I thought it was, I, I actually thought that was a, a cool explanation. You I, don't find out until the end, but. Yeah. No, yeah, you don't really quite find out until much later on, so. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's basically the movie. And then when we get to the mid credit scene here, you have uh, the remainder of the Avengers on Earth. So you got um, Captain America, the Hulk, um, Iron, or uh, War Machine here. And then you have uh, uh uh, Black Widow and maybe maybe Ant Man is there. I'm not sure. I don't remember. And they're basically checking out this beeper that they found. And I love how Ant Man does does show up. Oh, okay, so he knocks. He like knocks at the door. Yeah, in a previous in a previous one here. Yeah, and then the, the trailers actually, which is a little okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, so they get this beeper and the beeper stops working, and they're all just like, it stopped working. We don't know why it stopped working. Why did it stop working? And we don't know who's at the other end of it. No, they, they have no clue who's, the, who, who's on the other side here. And then, like, they're like, we'll start it back up. I don't know. And it just stopped. It's got plenty of power. It'll go forever right now. We'll start it back up. And then they all, then Carol Danvers just appears there and basically is like. Flying. Wait. She she just appears like flying. No, no, she just appears. Oh, she just. I, I don't think she was flying at all. Okay. But we'll, we can always re-see and stuff here. But she I don't think appears. her feet were on the ground. Maybe. I'll she, have to watch it again. She just appears there, and she's like, where's Fury? And thus, Bank, and then Captain Marvel will reappear in Avengers Endgame. I'm a little annoyed that they never called her Captain Marvel the entire time. The entire movie. We also didn't get a, um intro credit either, where it just says Captain Marvel, the na- the title of the movie. You don't get that until the very end, end of the movie here. But I think that's just a movie theater experience, because... You already knew what you came in to see. I think we all just but, want that title right. card. You're right. The, um, you you don't ever hear her referred to as Captain Marvel. I'm would, trying trying to think that through. I, they explain like you know, oh hey, from Marvel was this other person here, and Nick Fury makes a point of saying, you know, it's like, yeah, that's what I said, Mar- Marvel. No, it's Marvel. It's it's like it's it's a one. It's kind of like a two word sort of thing here. No, I like Marvel better. That's it sounds better. So, yeah. um, and it would have been kind of interesting if Nick Fury kind of as plainly called her, you know, like, you know, like, so you were a captain in the Air Force, you know, like, you know, you're Captain Marvel. Ooh, like, I, I'm a little, it's a little disappointing they never found a way to kind of Work bridge that, that name. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's explained later on. I'm hopeful. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and um, I didn't catch, I didn't catch on to that. Actually, what would be kind of funny here, actually, I think if you did it in any game where, like, she appears there and they're like, who the hell are you? Carol Danvers. And then, obviously, like, either Captain America or Black Widow here, who's familiar with S.H.I.E.L.D. files at the end of the day, basically goes, ah, oh, you're Captain Marvel. And they kind of, and she looks and is like, excuse me, what? Yeah, that would you're, be cute. You're Captain Marvel. That would be cute. I'm who now? No, Nick Fury said you were, you know, that's what you, that's what they called you. That's what, or that's what, that's what's in your file. She's like, okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. That's that the would least, be cute. That's the least important thing here. Yeah. That, that'd be kind of a cute moment in the next movie, so. It would be. Um, so, yeah, so I don't like that scene because it, again, it's, 
not allowed to stand on its own at the end of the day because the, the it'd be I'd be more interested to see like an adult version of Maria's kid or where Maria is at this point. That would be in the Marvel yeah. movie, if only just because like maybe you see it as kind of a more adult sort as a later adult sort of thing here, and maybe. Carol kind of coming back on Earth, checks on her first, or checks to see if she's still around. You know, it's like I knew you because come they back. had a really close. They had a very close relationship, and, and she leaves her with the leather jacket with the idea that she's going to come back. And it's a notion, so there was a tie in there too. Yeah, and it's the notion that let's say that it's been 20, 25 years or so okay. since last scene. Well, then she's aged well. She's she will the yeah she's going to have to age. It'll be interesting who plays this character later on um because this character actually if you go way back we didn't discuss it in in the tutorial episode because i didn't think the character was going to appear here at all in the movie um this character actually takes on the title of captain marvel for a period becomes is one of the first african-american leaders of the avengers or members of it too Oh, the, the girl? The little girl, Maria's child. Oh, that's so cool. So it's an interesting kind of tie-in at the end of the day. Um, and so if she has kind of her, she gets her own powers at some point here from something or other is a possibility for her later that would movies. Be, that would be so, very cool. Yeah. So I think that would be kind of a very interesting way of getting there in the future with this character and gives you a lot of playroom here. Um, and even if you never call back to it at all, it's there and enough that it exists. Um, but I would have liked to, but again, I would have rather seen a mid credit scene that kind of maybe, that maybe was the um, last bit with like Nick Fury and Agent Coulson and Goose there. Like that would have been a nice ending sort of mid credit scene for me at the end of the day. Um, instead of having the I would have liked to have seen what Goose looks like when Goose yaks. <laughs> um like, but, I, like, but I don't like the Avengers tie-in at the end because it just feels, uh, the Endgame tie-in, because it just feels like it doesn't stand as its own movie anymore. That Clearly it's a prequel to something else that's literally about to come out a couple months from now. And that might be Mar Disney and Marvel's intention to remind you that, like, hey, this well, other... Plug in, to plug in the next one. The plug yeah. the next movie coming yeah. in, so... Yeah. Um, so that gives us... So that basically brings us to what we think... So, again, I really enjoyed the movie. I had a lot of fun with it here. Um, but it does lead us to figuring out what happens kind of next in Endgame. And so, as far as what's happening, I have no clue. I've already seen it. I've already seen this. I've unfortunately seen the Super Bowl trailer and it ruins what I thought was going to happen. So I'm a little disheartened by it. Um, and then watching the end credit scene here disheartens me as well because I don't know what happens to, um, to Nebula and Tony Stark. That, yeah, Tony Stark I'm specific, uh, especially concerned about because that's actually one of my favorite characters. Um, so yeah, so when we last end, up, end off in Infinity War, Nebula and Tony Stark didn't get snapped out of existence, which makes sense because in the original Infinity War from the comic books, mm -hmm. um, Nebula doesn't disappear. She's actually somewhat of a linchpin to the story on a certain level, but she doesn't disappear. Um, it's implied that Tony Stark and her fix whatever ship the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy guys had and then are trying to get back to Earth. But I guess the trailer for the first movie, for the first trailer that came out kind of paints that like, you know, hey, we are going to run out of, you know, food and gas here in about, you know, a couple hours from now. So this is basically my goodbye message to Pepper Potts, 
Yeah, I, she yeah, ever I gets saw it. that. Yeah, I saw that on a trailer. Yeah. And they don't make allusions to it, but I'm. He hasn't eaten for like three or four days or something. Yeah, like yeah. He, like he's like, this is his last will and testament almost. Yeah. Um, but it makes allusions to um, the Super Bowl trailer makes allusions that it's been a number of months and or years since the snapping of the finger. Yeah. So, which wonder makes me wonder quite a bit the inter- intervening moments here. Um, and, and, and by the snapping of the finger, we mean Thanos. Thanos basically snapping saying, the finger and, and getting rid of 50, 50% of everything. everything. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm confused with what's going to happen here next. I'm very interested. I think the way... The best way to kind of explain it here is that Captain Marvel did not kind of appear out of nowhere. Um, in the early two, when the first Avengers movie came out in 2012, is when Captain Marvel started having a more prominence again in the comics. Because before then, she was again a character that bounced around and was there when you needed her. And certain writers would bring her back to try to bring her back into prominence when because it was like a favorite character of hers. I think mostly just because yeah. of the way she dressed, which we talked about again yeah. before. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't until 2012 in which... She's not showing a lot of skin, though. No, and this one, I'm actually very happy about that. Would have been kind of funny if they made allusions to it in some way or form. Yeah, you could have... You, you actually... If I had one wish, I wish it would have been a little campier. I could agree. It was, it was not um, as campy as some of them are. Yes. Yeah. It took itself very seriously. I think, the, I think, I think because it was the first female movie they were doing here... Well, yeah, but, the but, superhero I mean, look, that they were trying to take it more seriously and I worry that if they tried to be a little bit more campy about it you would have had people trying to write it off more easily yeah but Wonder Woman was pretty campy and that did well yeah but it was more very much more a period piece this one was was also somewhat of a period piece well, but yeah but not a, not like that, that not, one, not yeah. as much no yeah um, but no so in 2012 obviously Carol Danvers comes back into prominence when she gets the Captain Marvel name here officially and her rise in the comics has been just more steadily and steadily since then. And I think the intention is that with the end of Marvel Endgame here, a lot of the major characters are going to somehow be written off or going to be, you know, not as prominent anymore. Because obviously... The Hulk's been kind of losing it. He's not able to conjure up... Well, not so much... Well, again, so much is that a lot of the contracts for these for these actors are end after Endgame. So, okay. Um, uh, Tony Stark here, Robert Downey Jr. You have Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, um, Scarlett Johansson, and um, whoever Hawkeye is, and I can't remember his name to save my life right now. Um, but all these, but all these actors actually, their contracts end after the this fourth Avengers movie, um, which leads me to think that at the end of the movie here, that either Tony Stark is going to die or he's going to become like. Some sort Maybe he of, just retires and, and becomes a normal guy, and he and Pepper go off and raise their children. That would be nice. It's just, it, it's just that like once an Avenger, always an Avenger. I think I think he'll I think that he'll retire more officially, but still kind of be around because he's been around in the Maybe make space Spider- for other other people. Yeah, so he's been, like, he's been with like Iron Man or excuse me with um, Spider Man here, mentoring him. Yeah, and like that's I, kind of a fun relationship. I, yeah, and I, I can see him like not coming up nearly as often. But the problem is that whenever they want to have him in a movie here, he can demand big money at the end of the day. So like, because he is, his, yeah. So yeah. like his, you know, their ability to do mileage to want to use him here is probably going to be far more limiting. Um, obviously, Chris Evans is. Um, 
made a point of saying that he would like to be more of a director. He'd like to get more into directing. And so um, in the comic books here, actually, Captain America loses his super soldier formula, which has kept him pretty young for the most part here. Yeah. And becomes a much older guy. So, like, I would love to see, like, a much older person taking over that role. Um, because what ends up happening is that Captain the, the, uh, Steve Rogers passes on the shield to the Falcon, and the Falcon becomes the new Captain America. So he has both the sh- he has both the flight wings and the shield here. So that would be kind of interesting if that's the case. Um, and you also have, obviously, Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier, who could take over yeah. the mantle as well if you wanted. Um, I think Scarlett Johansson will stick around in some capacity. Um, the well, Hulk... Their ability to de-age means that they can keep these people looking pretty young. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you're going to have um, the Hulk here. In the comic books, the Hulk actually, um, Bruce Banner loses the Hulk powers in an attempt to try to cure him of the Hulk. It's this big deal. He's always trying to cure himself of being the Hulk. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be a Korean kid, um, Korean, like, brilliant kind of science guy that kind of comes in. Who ends up inheriting the powers of the Hulk? Okay. But the Korean kid has got is able, actually able to control his side of the Hulk more easily. A little bit more aggressive, but he's clearly like in control. Yeah. Um, the alternative also is that we might get the introduction of She-Hulk. Well, now that's an interesting. Which which will be which will be more inter- which will be a fun. Is bit she gonna to look you. good in green? Oh, she's she's green permanently. Oh. Yeah. So uh, so the She-Hulk is. Uh, basically, um, Bruce Banner's cousin. And keep, keep it in the family. Keep it in the family, and um, she ends up getting atta- She ends up getting hurt by something that's happening with the Hulk here. Bruce Banner feels really bad about it and gives her a blood transfusion, but it's his gamma radiated blood, and she turns into the She Hulk. But unlike the Bruce Banner's Hulk, which is a menacing sort of crazy thing here, uh, the She Hulk's. Um, doesn't lose her personality at all. She keeps her original personality. If anything, she actually becomes, um, I guess the correct way of saying it would be sexually liberated. And so she's a, again, like I, I have never seen a version of the She-Hulk that's not very sexualized or very kind of, um, you know, again, sexualized for the most part. But she's a lawyer. She's a green lawyer. She's a green lawyer. She's a very smart lawyer who continues being a lawyer as like a superhero. Even though she's green. Even though she's bright green and she's like a seven, like six, six and a half feet tall, very, very well-built bodybuilder at the, by the end of it here. Um, so, cool. Okay. Um, so I think that's going to happen. Um, I think Thor is going to stick around on some level here, if only just to rebuild Asgard. But there is a lady Thor that appears in the comic books as of recent. Which will be a great way if, if I think what will happen here is a great way to get Natalie Portman back in. Oh. Because it'll be fun to see her as Lady Thor, which was a thing that happened. Okay. Um, and then who else is there? Yeah, and then the New Yorkers are going to have more Doctor Strange stuff. You're going to have another Spider-Man movie they're already playing trailers for. I just want my Guardians uh, of the Galaxy. And they're going to have Guardians of the Galaxy 3 coming around. But we'll have to see what happens in the... Avengers Endgame because obviously Nebula well not just Nebula but Gramora dies by the hands of Thanos not by the snap and so it's dubious whether you know if does she really die though you know do characters ever really die because he he 
throws her off. He throws her off a cliff here and basically sacrifices one life to get, you know, the thing that he needs, which is the soul stone. Yeah. Um, again, if she gets brought back or not is kind of dubious because, um, again, she didn't die by the snap of a finger here. And well, we so didn't see her crushed body either. You, you did see her kind of dead lying, lying dead. Oh, okay. So... Um, again, and so it also kind of wonder like what happens with Peter Quill because again, obviously Peter Quill has had this very emotional tra- trauma of losing somebody and basically like killing her on a certain level to basically you know get through it here. And he lost his mom. He and... lost his mom, and like it's it's, yeah. it's somewhat you know he lost Yondu, which is kind of his father at well, the end of the yeah. day here in the last movie. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if the next movie deals with a lot of his loss in you know Grimora here or how he copes with that on a certain level yeah or if he's literally trying to find a way to get her back so it'll be an interesting way to do a third galaxy guardians of the galaxy movie i don't know if they'll do a fourth or fifth one but it all depends on kind of how end game works end game wraps up yeah. everything so yeah. um okay. so yeah so it comes out in april we're gonna go watch it and we'll cool. come back and we'll review it but before then we will have a. Uh, in between here, we'll have a Marvel uh, discussion to play with comics, which we'll describe a lot of comics here. Um, when we get to DC, there's literally a great story in the middle of DC that explains why characters die and keep coming back to life. It's a really kind of interesting sort of story in that. Um, but that's a DC. That's DC. So we'll talk about that much further in the future here. Okay. Um, so what is next week's topic then? Um, it might be about ponies. Oh, oh! I like ponies. So we'll we'll have to see. Um, but we are. I do have I do have us basically mapped out through May here as far as what will our topics of discussion here. Um, and if you wanted, and if our listeners want to discuss topics or recommend topics for us here, we always recommend uh, visiting us and on Twitter here at nerd underscore tutorial. You can leave comments about our episodes, thoughts you might have on what we discussed, comments on questions you might have for future episodes, um, or about our review material here, and we always welcome uh, interaction with there. You can also visit us at nerdtutorialpodcast.com to get our newest episodes and be up to date with all of our review... I can't speak here today. All of our review material that we're going to be posting on there, so that way you can keep informed and follow along with us as we have our discussion. Once again, I'm your nerdy tutor, George, and with me here today was my mom. We thank you so much for listening to us and we'll look forward to seeing you guys next week bye guys bye